Throughout this episode, you'll hear occasional dynamically placed advertisements as well as host-read ads by me promoting the work of my sponsors, similar to what you'd experience when you're binging your favorite YouTube content. If you find the ads disruptive, consider joining my community on Patreon. Premium submarines receive full-length ad-free episodes, hundreds of hours of bonus content, and the ability to connect and chat with other listeners. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash backfromtheborderline. Have you ever said something out of pain or fear and then almost immediately regretted it after? Do you feel yourself becoming distant and cold with people you love out of nowhere? Do you have a tendency to cut people off or ghost them? Do you feel like you explode over the tiniest things only to be flooded with guilt and shame afterwards? These are all things that happen to those of us with BPD when we're splitting. This is episode one of three in a splitting series. This episode is to lay the foundation. So if you stick around until the end, you're going to know what exactly splitting is, the technical term, the history of the phrase. I'm going to do some story time and talk about various examples where I've split that have negatively affected my life. And then we're also going to read some experiences shared from others in the BPD community. If you finish today's episode, I can promise you two things. You're going to leave a little more aware and a little more informed. And both of those things are massively important when it comes to our recovery and healing journeys. All right. I'm so glad you're here with me. Let's do it. You have entered Back from the Borderline, where we walk willingly into the darkness within our minds and return home to ourselves transformed. I'm your host, Molly. I spent most of my life numbing the pain and emptiness inside me, unaware that my self-sabotaging behaviors and thoughts were destroying my ability to connect with myself and other people. One day, I decided I was sick enough of my own bullshit to hear life calling, telling me it was time for a change, and I decided to answer that call. On this podcast, We'll learn that when we see ourselves as the hero of our own journey, it gives us the best chance at finding our inner truth and integrity. Together, we'll learn to hold complex feelings, expand our consciousness and self-awareness while making meaning of our suffering. Are you ready to find out who you are underneath the weight of everything that's been keeping you stuck? If the answer is yes, follow me down the rabbit hole of psychological and spiritual growth. I'm so glad you're here. And with that, let's dive straight in to the episode. Wow, I am so excited to be here right now with you, listener, wherever you are, whoever you may be, whatever you may be doing. What you're witnessing right now in your ears is my very first time talking into a microphone for the purpose of a podcast. It's pretty cool. I wanted to start this because I am an obsessive researcher. 
when I find out that something's impacting my life, I want to learn everything there is to know about it. I want to talk to people that are going through the same things as I am. And I just want to absorb everything about that subject. So when I found out that I had BPD, I did the same thing. And man, I have obsessively done a lot of research on borderline personality disorder. And I feel like I'm cracking the code to it to a certain extent. I can't explain it to you, but I thought what better way to hold myself accountable? What better way to like support my own recovery process and then also give back and practice self-compassion and compassion to others than to share. That being said, I created a YouTube video a couple of weeks ago and I posted it and the reception has been so overwhelmingly positive. The comments on that video just moved me to my core and it incentivized me to follow through with this podcast idea, journey, whatever this is that I'm starting. Get over this imposter syndrome. I know BPD. That's one thing I I can speak on BPD. So why not speak on that in a positive way, heal myself and then help aid in other people healing themselves too, right? So I'm just so excited to be here and I I can't wait to see the community that builds around this because I know that if I have my heart in the right place, the right people will come. Okay, so enough already. You came, you clicked on this episode because you wanted to hear, learn, and talk about splitting and borderline personality disorder, right? So let's set the scene. Imagine you're in a really good place emotionally. Overall, you're feeling really good about yourself. You are on a road trip, okay? The sun is shining. You've got your snacks, all the good snacks and drinks because road trips are really only good if you have snacks and drinks and plenty of places to stop to pee along the way, right? That's, that's, the, that's Those are the baseline requirements of a good road trip. And a song you absolutely love is playing on full blast and you're singing along to every single word, okay? You are in the zone. You're loving this road trip. You're excited about your plans tonight when you get wherever you're going. Maybe you're going to go hang out with your friends. You're seeing someone you haven't seen for a really long time, okay? A date, who knows? You're stoked to get there. Shit. You realize you just missed your exit and Google Maps says your mistake is just added about 30 minutes to your total drive time, a whole additional half hour until you're going to get there. It probably is going to screw up your entire evening. All of a sudden, your chest is tightening and you grip the steering wheel tighter than you probably should. And then it's just like the good feelings you were feeling before never existed. And that's when the thought loop in your head starts. I can't drive. I can't do anything right. I'm useless. I'm such an idiot. Maybe you even start doubting that you decided to take the trip in the first place. You like are overcome with the idea of just wanting to turn back and go home. You maybe even make the calculation in your mind, like maybe I should just turn back, even if it's two hours. That, my friends, right there is a classic example of splitting. And don't you think splitting is such a hot topic? I feel like when people think of splitting, 
even people with BPD who I think claim to have a good understanding of what it is, they normally just think of really extreme situations when they're splitting like a massive episode where they totally lose their shit. Or for me, you even think about, um, I think there is a movie called like split or something. And it's about someone with, I think either schizophrenia or dissociative, um, identity disorder or something like that. They have different alters, right? The actor does in this movie. And while people do experience those, um, have those experiences, right? It is such a extreme and glamorized Hollywood version of what splitting is. And so I feel like people don't often think about the little ways that we split throughout the day because I'm splitting all the time, right? And I have to be mindful of when it happens, um, be aware when I'm feeling dysregulated, because to be honest, I think when I'm in certain mood dysregulated states, for example, I am prone to splitting more, which makes it If I regulate myself, if I have a good routine, I don't even have a situation where I'm so dysregulated that I start seeing things in black and such black and white ways, if that makes sense. So we're going to talk today about splitting and I'm going to, this is going to be a series of various episodes because there's so much content. I did so much research for you. We are going to be talking about the history of the term splitting what is splitting from a technical perspective, my experience with splitting, how do other people describe splitting, um, problems with integration and really diving deep into why splitting happens in the first place, when it becomes a problem, how long does it last, what can trigger a splitting episode, how does splitting affect relationships, how can splitting affect therapy, how to reduce your splitting behaviors, how your loved ones can help you, all of that stuff. I'm telling you, I looked it all up. I researched it and I'm going to wrap it all up in a bow and break this into as many episodes of this splitting series that I need to, to make sure that you understand this as well as I do. And it is my belief that a deep understanding of the behavior and the reasonings behind it, and weaving it into your own personal experience, and then being mindful of that, that is the key. That's when you have a bit more power. You're going to leave this series, even just this episode, but after the entire series, you're going to have an awareness that you didn't have before. And for me, that's been pivotal to my recovery. And that's free 99, my friend, zero dollars. Okay. So without further ado, we're just going to get right into splitting. All right. So (laughs) a big part of recovery for me has been understanding all sides, history and details, all of that of my symptoms. So you're going to have to get nerdy with me for a minute. We're going to bring it all the way back. And when I say all the way back, I mean the late 1880s. So the first person to bring splitting onto the scene was Sigmund Freud, aka the father of modern psychology and the developer of the process of psychoanalysis, right? Freud saw splitting as a defense mechanism we use to protect ourselves from overwhelming anxiety. So in psychoanalysis. Splitting is viewed as a coping mechanism. 
From Freud's perspective, someone whose splitting is unable to integrate specific difficult feelings or experiences into their overall ego structure, which leads to compartmentalizing their reactions to those feelings or experiences. So essentially the splitting is used to protect oneself from overwhelming anxiety. And Freud called this increased anxiety state, ego disintegration. So in more extreme cases, right, the, the higher the anxiety, the more disintegrated, or the, yes, they became, right, one would experience this as dissociation. Psychoanalysis and its concepts have taken a backseat to more targeted and concrete forms of therapy like CBT at this point, but the term splitting remains useful and relevant in psychology today. So what is splitting from a technical perspective, right? Let's just get a better understanding of what it means. Sometimes it helps hearing it in like five different ways. I'll keep redefining splitting because I think it's beneficial to hear multiple definitions of it, how different people explain it and experience it, right? This just, again, creates more awareness for ourselves. Put simply, splitting is a completely unconscious mechanism that's triggered by the brain in an attempt to protect our ego and prevent anxiety. To split something means to divide it. In the world of personality psychology, splitting countertransference or splitting, just simply splitting, is often considered a hallmark of borderline personality disorder. It's characterized by the propensity to either completely idealize or completely devalue other people, places, ideas, and objects. We see them as either all good or all bad. Splitting can is something that can be used by anyone at any time if they're under enough pressure, stress, or anger, right? People split all the time, even people who are supposedly neurotypical. Just take one look at Twitter. Remember that splitting causes us to view life, ourselves, and others in extremes. That's the most important thing to take away from what splitting is. Black and white thinking, no gray areas, all good, all bad. That's splitting. I've come across the phrases split black and split white a lot in the wider BPD community. And I wanted to touch on that because I've been seeing it crop up a lot more. So the idea is if someone with BPD is in the middle of an episode and they are angry at that person, they're seeing them as all bad in that moment, that person who is the subject of their the BPD person's anger is in the middle of being split black, like you're splitting that person black. On the other hand, if you are in the honeymoon phase and you've been dating someone for two dates and they're already like the love of your life and you're picturing what you're house and family will look like and you overshare to them everything about your life on the first date. No, just me, anybody. (laughs) So that's splitting someone white. You haven't had enough time to get to know this person to have a good enough understanding of their good and bad qualities to make a logical decision whether or not they are worthy to be in your life. So Splitting someone black, splitting someone white. Now you have an understanding of what those two concepts are if you see them pop up. So what sucks about splitting most 
amongst the million bazillion other reasons that we'll get into later is that most of us that split are fully aware that the world is a complicated place. We get that, right? We get, we do want to have an understanding that people can be both good and bad. If you catch us in an emotionally regulated state, we'd tell you that someone could make mistakes sometimes and we would still know that they love us. But the problem is when we're dysregulated and in an episode, all of that logic goes completely out the window in that moment. I want to talk a little bit about my own experience with splitting. Um, I've read that something that can make someone more prone to splitting is constantly seeking outside validation without considering their own emotions and feelings. And the splitting is essentially an attempt to shield themselves from anxiety that's caused by that potential perceived abandonment. And that resonates for me. So when I think back how I used to be in relationships, I can see this trend clearly in my past. For example, a friend wouldn't answer my call. I'm immediately thinking, they're never there when I need them. And maybe my boyfriend would text okay to like a six paragraph text wall that I sent him. And immediately I'd be thinking something like, I can't believe that's all he has to say. I bet he didn't even read what I wrote. I can't be with someone that doesn't listen to me. This is over, right? Then I'm proceeding to make a game plan of how I'd start over after another failed relationship. Like we really take it there, guys. We take it there. (laughs) And if I think back on all the time I've wasted spinning out and splitting in minor ways like this, just inside my mind, right? These are the ways we internally really fuck ourselves up. That friend that didn't answer my call, they probably apologized days later for forgetting to call me back and then ask you for me for drinks. No, they didn't hate me. They're here for me. They're just a human and they're trying to do this life thing the best they can. It's not about me. So if you're listening out there, you probably need to hear this. It's not about you. It's probably not about you. And sometimes you hear the people say, it's not about you. And it's a negative thing. But I take comfort in that phrase so often. It's like, it's not about me. Just remember people are in their own little worlds all the time. And to carry on this same examples from before, you know, me freaking out that my boyfriend only typed the word okay, maybe later he would admit that he replied okay to my wall of text messages because that's all he felt like he could say in that moment. He maybe had anxiety from our argument and he shut down. It wasn't about me. That was just his valid experience. That is the reaction and the response that felt okay for him in that moment. By me spinning out and splitting over that, I'm kind of denying him his own experience. And I think without realizing it, when we're splitting, we are doing that to other people. We're not, we're denying them their own valid experience. When I'm splitting, I'm so focused on myself that empathy goes out the window. It's pure fight, flight, or freeze in that moment. I really do feel like a cornered animal. (laughs) I feel like someone is getting fed up or angry with me, and so I want to be the one to storm out and leave. Why? Because I'd rather be alone than be left, and I think a lot of us can relate to that. So story time. I avoided being broken up with until I was about 28 years old. No one had ever dumped me before. Okay, I'll tell you why (laughs) that's the case. (laughs) It's not because I was the best girlfriend or partner in the world. I'll the spoiler alert. This is 
pre-BBD diagnosis, okay, we're, we're with me, I'm 28, you're with me in this story, um, I was still misdiagnosed at this point. I thought I had depression, anxiety. I certainly didn't think I was neurotypical, but BPD hadn't come on the scene for me yet and like clicked everything into place. Up to this point, I would be the first person to end things always. I would cut off contact. I was like the queen of like block and delete <laughs> if I felt like something was going awry, especially if it was in the early phases of something. So I'd been seeing this actor in LA for about six months. He had a fancy house, but also a not so fancy Coke problem. And he also wiped his dog's paws and ass off with baby wipes after he took it outside in the morning. I really wish that was not a true story, but here we are. Um, we'd been seeing each other for a few months. I would say maybe five or six dates, nothing major. They were spaced far apart too, which was like torture for my BPD soul. I think you can relate when people want to move at like a normal pace or they actually have like a super busy career where they can't see you every single day. It, you're just waiting on tender hooks for the next time that you hang out with that person. So note that in the middle of all this, I had just recently had a really traumatic family loss, um, a suicide in my family uh, shortly prior to this. So I was in a fragile mental state already. But all of a sudden around this time, this guy just stops texting me. So I'm freaking out. I'm calling my friends and asking their advice. I just needed someone else to tell me what to do. In those moments, I look back and I just see, wow, I really had no like internal locus of control. I needed someone else to tell me what to do. I was so dysregulated and had zero capability of soothing myself or seeing things rationally in those moments. So I was texting my friends, a a small circle of people, you know, why wasn't he calling or texting me? And I was so consumed with him ghosting me that I was mentally absent for so many other aspects of my life. And about four days later with no text, no call, nothing, I'm on a walk with my dog and his number comes up on my phone. And if you have BPD and you've gone through something like this, you know the feeling when your stomach just falls out of your ass when you see (laughs) that FP number pop up on your phone, right? It's just like, and I'm sure I was sure at that moment he was just calling to apologize. He's going to say that he'd been MIA and overloaded with work, stuck on set or something. I thought he would invite me out to dinner, you know, smooth things over. But nope. Instead, he told me that he had been rethinking things and decided he wasn't in a place where he was ready to date quite yet. And his breakup he broke up with this woman about six months prior. They were engaged and it was all just too fresh which that's valid, right? But in that moment, I dissociated when I heard his words. I actually don't even remember ending the call. I was just standing there in North Hollywood holding my dog's leash, but like not feeling that I was even inside of my body. I was abandoned and I was being abandoned before I had a chance to do it first. This was not something I had experienced. And for someone that has BPD, and you've experienced this, you know that feeling. I just felt untethered. Just I had no grounding. And I had protected myself from this feeling for so long. And now it was happening and I didn't know what the hell to do. And I somehow made it home. 
and I don't think I left my bed for like three weeks, I think, but I lost track of time. And it wasn't about this guy. Even in the pits of the despair I was feeling, I knew this dude wasn't the one. His rejection just happened to rip open that infected wound that I had been doing a really shitty job of covering up. And that wound was just that belief that I was unlovable, undesirable, discardable trash, you know, that feeling overwhelmed me in that moment. And all of a sudden, this guy was my enemy. He wasn't what he actually was in reality, which is just a middle-aged actor struggling with a drug addiction and depression of his own. And all of a sudden, I was this worthless hag in my own mind and certain that no one would ever love me, that I would die alone. But in reality, I dodged a bullet. Did I really want to deal with going out to dinners for the rest of my life with this guy and watching him slink off to the bathroom eight times to go key some coke in the bathroom? No. Did I want to watch him wipe his dog's butthole with an echinacea-infused baby wipe every time he took that thing to go out to the bathroom in the morning? Also no, right? (laughs) But regardless of this logic that I knew to be true, still in this dysregulated state, I had absorbed this this belief that I was trash and that no one would ever love me so deeply into my soul that I was experiencing serious suicidal ideation. And I mean serious. Um, and if that isn't splitting, I don't know what is. That That is how devastating splitting can be. And at the time, I had no idea that I had BPD. And that's what devastates me because there are so many people out there that don't know that they have BPD. They don't know what BPD is. And so therefore, they really think they are just trapped in this hell and they get wrapped up in this and think it's their identity, that it's who they are. And that's how I felt at this time because I had nothing to attribute it to. I was just a cornered animal at all times constantly in fear of being left and a constant certainty hanging over my head that I would be alone in the end. So I told you already that I'm an obsessive researcher and I wanted to find out how other people with BPD experience and describe splitting. So I went to one of my favorite places, Reddit, and I picked out some of my favorite responses to a thread that asked people with BPD to share what splitting is like for them. The first one that I came across says this, I'm always surprised by how I can stop feeling love for people when they trigger me, only to return to feeling love when it passes. I really believe it in the moment, so it's hard to deal with. There's another one that says, I wish I could react normally to things. My tendency to overreact really has alienated so many people. It's almost kind of funny how once the split happens, pretty much everything they do becomes incredibly annoying. Another person says, splitting for me is like riding shotgun in a car with your split self at the wheel. You know what's going on and where you're headed, but you have little control. I sometimes feel internally desperate to make everything better again while I'm splitting, yet the emotions are so intense sometimes that they override the reasoning. 
It can get so convoluted in my head that even I forget how I got upset in the first place, but the emotional side is still there driving the splitting. However, eventually my emotions do regulate and my reasoning is able to kick in more effectively to the point where I realize I just split and realize the damage I caused. This usually comes with a lot of crying followed by attempts to repair the relationship through taking accountability. It's not that I've changed my mind, it's more so that I realize that I had an inappropriate reaction in the moment. Woo! That one, I can relate to. It really is like watching a car crash. So I think many of us can heavily relate to that one. There's just a couple more. This next one says... I've been reading about splitting and most people seem to describe it as switching from love to hate. That might be accurate for other people, but for me, while I do fall in love easily, I rarely hate anyone. It's more a shift between trust and fear, between comfort and hurt. When someone starts to lose interest in me, it hurts so badly. I get angry sometimes, but it's not because I hate them, it's because it hurts so much that they don't like me anymore. To me, the extremes are not love and hate. They are like feeling someone likes me versus feeling like they don't. Then I become afraid of them, that they want to hurt me or cut me out of their life, so I cut them out first. I don't have to hate them. Sometimes I still even love them, but I can't tolerate the hurt of trying to be around them when I don't feel safe emotionally. I guess to the outside world, it might look like swinging between love and hate, but that's not how it feels inside to me. I hope that this set the tone for an understanding of splitting, what it is, how I've experienced it, how other people experience it. I think it's really important that we laid that foundation before we move into the other episodes in this series. I think I'm going to make either one or two more of these, depending on how long it takes me to talk about the research that I've done. So I hope you've taken that away from what we've learned today. I'm going to leave you with a quote, um, a snippet, if you will, of a podcast that I absolutely love by a woman who inspires me so much. Her name's Glennon Doyle. She's an author. She has this podcast called We Can Do Hard Things that she co-hosts with her sister. And their conversations are incredibly vulnerable and bring mental health, addiction, motherhood, personhood in general, um, gender, sexuality, all of these things to the table in a really vulnerable and honest way. And I get so much from listening to the two of them. This week, they were talking about self-care and how quite often in today's culture, we confuse self-care. Self-care to a lot of us is, are you you know, going out to a fancy dinner? Are you getting your nails done? Are you getting a facial? Um, are you going to have a beer with the boys? We forget that self-care is about the self, the self with the big S, your inner self. And by developing a relationship with yourself, big S self, <laughs> don't forget, sounds like a bit your big ass self. It's your big S self. That's how you start tuning in to your emotions, tuning into your needs. Real self-care is asking yourself, what do I need? We're not seeking someone else outside of us to validate us, to give us 
what we need. We're finding that within ourselves. So with that, I'll let the words of Glennon fade us out, and I'll see you next time for the next episode in our series about splitting. But what's hopeful to me is that since you can see that conditioning happening as a process of looking outside of ourselves, that has to mean that there's a way to deprogram ourselves from that. If it can be done to us, we can undo it. That is right, Glennon. If it can be done to us, we can undo it. Splitting is not who you are. It's a behavior that we can learn to become aware of and change over time. All right, you messy, amazing, emotional, fabulous human beings doing this life thing. That is it for today's episode. I want to thank you so much for listening because out of all the millions, billions of podcasts in the world, you chose to listen to mine. And that means a lot to me. And if you listen this far, I know you never want to miss a new episode. So to make sure that doesn't happen, click follow in your podcast player of choice and you will be alerted every time I drop a new one. To help me grow and help the podcast reach as many people as possible, go ahead and leave an honest rating and review. Not only that, I love to hear your feedback, so please share it with me. I read every single review, and you just might hear it read out loud on the podcast. To connect with me directly, follow me on social media and keep up with all the new updates. You can find that all at backfromtheborderline.com. And as always, any articles, resources, or other helpful information you've heard today can be found in the description of this podcast episode. So don't forget to check out the show notes. And until we meet again, remember, life is a circle, a cycle, a process, separation, initiation, return. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Back from the Borderline. If you'd like to receive my monthly written recovery musings via Substack directly to your inbox, send me a voicemail, join the Patreon community, or check out my Amazon booklist recommendations, visit backfromtheborderline.com and click to access my link tree.